0: So, I don't really plan out these episodes and their sequence in advance. I used to, but I realized I'm not as well organized for that, and sometimes things just happen to fall in the right place. So, last week we had a very difficult, dense, complicated book, and this week we've got something much lighter. Welcome to your favorite book. Today's guest is Pitu. Hello, Pitu. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing very well and I'm very excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Um, You suggested one of the more unique books I've had on this show and a book I'm very excited to talk about, Thorny Hold by Mary Stewart. And before we get into the book itself, Pitu, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the kind of things you like to do?
1: Yeah, um, so I'm Indian and I've lived on several continents. I actually grew up in Nigeria, West Africa, in a very sort of rural setting. Um, but I then lived in India and I've lived in the U.S. for almost 20 years now. Um, and I work in the fashion industry. I work as a stylist, but I'm also an aspiring author. And um, I am a guest on the Kandan Bollywood podcast as well. So there's like a bunch of things I do.
0: <laughs> I I don't know what to start with. Um, I, I guess that's such an interesting bio right there. Um, I'm curious to know, uh, I know there are a lot of Indians who live in Nigeria and who mm-hmm. live beyond, you know, the countries we typically think of as the diaspora, but... Right. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what, what it was like to live in Nigeria for you? Were you a child back then?
1: Yes, I was about a year old when my parents uh, migrated from Mumbai, India to Nigeria. And we lived in a bunch of really tiny towns like literally I'm talking like the first place we lived in was a fishing village. Um, where there would be such thick fog that my dad could only drive one foot, like he would only have like one foot of visibility. And both my parents were from Mumbai. So how these two city kids lived in rural Africa is beyond me, but it was quite an adventure. And uh, the only real city I grew up in was Lagos, but even Mm -hmm. then I didn't really live in the city proper. So I really grew up kind of like a rural sort of a farm child, um, but it was, it was a wonderful bucolic childhood. I was an only child and we were surrounded by farmland um, when I had like almost a one-hour commute to school. And, um, you know, a lot of times we would have to share the lane with tractors. Um, my neighbors were all like corn farmers and the only real company I had to play with was my cat. And that might sound depressing to some people, but honestly, it was wonderful And um, I grew up loving plants and animals, and I was probably a little bit socially awkward as a child. And on the rare occasion that we visited um, India, especially Mumbai, I would be terrified out of my wits because I was just not accustomed to big cities. Right. You know, that's so interesting because we're going to get into it as we go, but aspects of that
0: remind me so much of how uh, Jilly grew up in this (laughs) book, and I'm like, except you seem to have a much more optimistic take on how you grew up compared to how Jilly sees her childhood. But the parallels are totally there. And the other thing I need to ask you about, okay, so you mentioned yourself as a stylist. And so Mm -hmm. can you tell me a little bit about what that kind of work is like for you day to day? That's something that really interests me.
1: Yeah, so I actually work as a bridal stylist. So let's say you wanted to get married, um, you would basically make an appointment with appointment with me at my store and uh, we would discuss your big day and I would basically help you pick out your perfect wedding gown. I would give you styling advice you know accessories makeup. Um, it's 50% fashion and you know 50% therapy honestly
0: um,
1: <laughs> but I love it because I'm a die-hard romantic and I love beautiful things and I, I love women. That sounds like a weird thing to say, but I I really do adore the company of fellow women. And it's very gratifying to be part of someone's, um, you know, big moments in life. I'm so glad that you describe it also as therapy because someone got married a couple years ago.
0: Yeah, the whole dress buying and dress collecting process is very stressful.
1: It is.
0: <laughs> I I feel obligated to share that. Um, so I got married in the United States. My husband is um, mm-hmm. Irish American, and so I had two gowns. I had a Western wedding dress, and mm-hmm. then I had a Kerala sari. Okay. And the dress I kind of picked out by myself. I just mm-hmm. kind of wandered around and picked something up off the rack because it was a reception okay. dress. And then, but I had this stunning, beautiful sorry, and everyone was asking me, you know, how'd you pick this out? You know, where'd you get this? And I'm like, you want to know the truth? My father uh, bought it. I wasn't okay. even there. <laughs> I'm thankful that he has really good taste, but right. people are kind of shocked when they hear that I wasn't there to pick out my own wedding dress. <laughs> right, right. Uh. I just love thinking back on all those moments. But tell me and tell me if this is a question you can't really answer in your line mm-hmm. of work, but can you tell me your least favorite bridal trend?
1: Um, I don't really have a least favorite bridal trend the um, only thing I'm not a huge fan of like I always say this to every single bride that I meet that I am team bride mm-hmm. what that means is I'm not team mom I'm not team best friend I'm not team mother-in-law um, so you get this a lot where you have these um, you know, brides and they have all these hopes and dreams and they want to wear this gown and this is what they are envisioning and then you have a cutting remark from the mom or the mm-hmm. mother-in-law where they're like oh but do you really have the figure for it? Mm. And I'm like, yeah, no we're not we're not gonna do any fat shaming here. I'm sorry. like this is my domain. So I always um try to be that person that says, You know, I'm team bride and I'm going to make sure that you're going to get the most beautiful gown of your dreams and you're going to look wonderful. You're going to look perfect. And I try to empower them and make them feel confident and happy. Um, And I I do wish that sometimes the people that they bring to the dress shopping with them would be a little bit more mindful of how hurtful some of the observations that they make can be. So -hmm. that's the only thing that kind of like annoys me a little.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is why I'm glad you're a bridal stylist and not me. <laughs> because I feel like if I was asked that question, I'd be like, oh, I just really hate mermaid gowns. Like, they're terrible. They <laughs> like, look on nobody. But you take, like, the, the much kinder, more sensible approach. And you're absolutely right. I feel like if you watch those, like, Say Yes to the Dress shows, yeah. it's always, like, the mother or the mother-in-law or the fiancé even saying, no, that's not, that's ugly. And just ruin right, some dreams. Right. It's the worst. Yeah. Uh, but... What a fascinating sort of intersection of things. And a lot of what you're bringing up, you know, ties in so nicely to the book, you know, your, mm-hmm. your love for the romantic and you growing yes. up among nature and, you know, that all comes here in thorny hold. And so, um, Bithu, tell me a little bit about guesting on, uh, the Khandan Bollywood podcast. So I saw, I had Amrita on my show a uh-huh, yeah. back, and she was a delight. So tell me what it's like for you.
1: Um, so Amrita, Sujoy, and I go a long time back. I think we've been friends for almost 12 years. Uh, we were all part of the blogosphere back when blogging was like a huge thing. And we were all like beta users of Twitter. And we were all this like very tight knit, community that pretty much mostly blogged about bollywood and then everyone just sort of like fell off the bandwagon and then they went on to start the kandan podcast and because we go a long time back they just kind of keep inviting me usually to review the most horrible movies um but like i've literally reviewed things like koila and tumireho and things like that but mm-hmm. it's, it's great it's just like a barrel of laughs with them Um, so yeah, I hop on whenever they want me to, uh, like literally Sujoy or Amrita will be like, oh, we wanted to review this really horrible movie. And we thought of you. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like a compliment, but I know it is. (laughs) What is the,
0: for my guests who are not very, uh, acquainted with Bollywood, um, what is the worst movie you've had to watch for this show? Uh, probably
1: Tung Ho because it's about snakes um, mm. or rather, yeah, it's like a really horrible C-grade movie starring Amir Khan and Juhi Chawla um, and it's about people like snake people and Sujoy knows that I am extremely phobic about snakes. I'm terrified of them and of course he made me watch it and there was a lot of pressure that both of them put on me to watch this movie and I hate them but I also love them. So yeah, that was a horrible experience. <laughs> I literally just
0: Googled this movie because I hadn't heard of it somehow. And I'm quickly looking over this this plot summary and this sounds absolutely bananas and it sounds like the worst yes. movie I've ever
1: seen. Yes and then they were like we could only think of you to review it and I was like I just you know with friends like you I really don't need enemies do I? Because you think you know Abir Khan, Juhi Chawla I mean you had yeah. uh, Kaima Se Kaima and it's like that exactly. was such a
0: great movie like you think these two would be in great movies and nope.
1: <laughs> oh it is the worst it has one of my my most favorite songs in it which is which is truly a travesty there's like there's like tribal people and human sacrifice and skulls i mean it is just it is just the worst
0: oh no
1: (laughs) okay after this
0: i'm definitely just gonna try to find that and hate watch but (laughs)
1: yeah do it (laughs) preferably with like a bottle of like vodka next to you
0: (laughs) That's a great idea. Um, But transitioning this as best as we can to books, even though I feel like we could talk about bad Bollywood for a while. um, Tell me a little bit about, obviously, Thorny Hold is a book you've loved. You've loved it for many years, like you told me. Tell me about your reading taste in general. Are you someone who's always considered yourself a reader? Is it more off and on for you?
1: I have always been a reader, and I've, I always have like a huge stack of books on my dining table that I have to like get through. Um, and I think a lot of it also has to do with the way I grew up, because you know I grew up in rural Africa. We didn't really have shopping malls and mm-hmm. you know cable and things like that. Um, I only watched one TV show, and that was um, the Cosby Show, because that was the only thing that i could get at like 4 p.m you know um and so reading was definitely like a constant companion for me um and so i've grown up being a reader um and it's just it's the best way to escape in terms of my reading taste i read pretty much everything um I think I love fantasy the most. I love mm-hmm. magic realism a lot. Um, I love Mary Stewart. She's one of my favorite authors. Um, and then there's certain like, you know, comfort authors that I read. Like Dickens is a favorite Um, I think the only genres that I don't really read... Oh, I also really like horror. I like Anne Rice. Mm -hmm. I think the only stuff I don't read is basically like pot boilers or anything that has to do with cops and detectives and stuff. That's the only stuff I'm not interested in. Got it. That makes sense. And
0: a lot of your reading tastes sound very similar to mine, Mm -hmm. except for your love for Charles Dickens, who I absolutely hate. But that's another (laughs) story. (laughs) We can't win them all. But I... (laughs) I, I too, really love magical realism, and I've Mm -hmm. started to read more fantasy lately, and this book is just such a gentle journey into a magical world, and that's, I think, the thing I love most about this book, and so before we get into the specifics, Mm -hmm. to tell you all about this book, so this is Thorny Hold by Mary Stewart. Um, It was first published in 1988. It's older for, you know, the books we tend to cover here, but- Mary Stewart was writing for decades and decades before this. I think she wrote this one in like her seventies. And this book takes place in post-World War II, United Kingdom, England, Scotland, that area. Um, I had never heard of this book and I'd actually never heard of this author either. So mm-hmm. I when I saw the Merlin series, I was like, oh, that sounds familiar, but somehow her name just never came up for me. What do you think really
1: appeals to you about her writing? I just love how gentle and lyrical her work is. Um, she, it's, it's, Her settings are always super bucolic. And there are certain books of hers that even if I don't necessarily, uh, even if I'm not like a huge fan of the book itself, there are literally passages in those books that I will reread because it's the closest that it comes to poetry. Like there's a book of hers that's called The Stormy Petrel. And Mm. it's set in the Isle of Skye. And literally her descriptions of the mist and the fog and the clouds made me want to visit the Isle of Skye. And when I visited the Isle of Skye, I literally felt like I had, you know, I'd stepped into the pages of the Stormy Petrel. So, I mean, there really is no one who does descriptions of the natural world like Mary Stewart does. I just haven't seen anyone else whose writing is so beautifully lyrical without being over the top. Yeah, that's a great way of putting
0: it because you're right. This book is very lyrical, mm-hmm. but it's not over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it indulges itself in portions, and honestly, those are really fun to read, but the storytelling is very gentle. It's it's a perfect, I guess, the best way to describe this book is cottagecore. Yes. You know, the yes. Old cottagecore trend. <laughs> <laughs> totally. This was cottagecore before that was even a thing, yes. and I love it for that. Yeah. It's it's really so to give everyone a bit of a summary of this book. So, like me, if you've never heard of this before, to give you a bit of a plot summary. Essentially, uh raised in isolation by her vicar father and austere mother, Jilly Ramsey grows up misunderstood and yearning for companionship. As she reaches womanhood and is struggling to find purpose, she is suddenly willed a small estate known as Thorny Thornyhold. This estate once belonged to her mother's cousin, Galus. Mm-hmm. who has a reputation in town as a witch and herbalist. Suddenly, Jilly is thrust into a relative's affairs and into the many events, wonderful and dreadful, of country life. And so that's my little summary. And I realized I probably should have Googled how to pronounce Jilly and Galus or Jalus. How do you pronounce (laughs) this? I have no idea.
1: I I just always say it as like Gillis, but I don't know if that's accurate. I just say Gillis.
0: Yeah, I'm just like, how do you pronounce G-E-I-L-L-I? I -I? I don't know. Um, There's probably a proper pronunciation. Listeners, tell me how this is intended to be pronounced. Definitely appreciate the feedback. But essentially, so that's the basic summary Mm -hmm. here. You know, very bare bones. But Pithu, I'd love to know, you know, tell me about when you
1: first picked this book up and how you felt about it. Take me back. So I think um, I had just left, India and I had moved to the U.S. I was 20 years old. I was uh, a very sheltered child um, and very, really not a worldly wise person. Like I said, I was, I was a fairly socially awkward person and um, very naive, very foolish and living on my own for the first time. I was doing my master's in Atlanta and um, I lived with my dog, my, who was also a border collie, by the way. And I lived in a very, very sketchy part of Atlanta, like really bad, (laughs) like literally there were like four strip clubs down the street and there would be like drunks all over the place. It was like really sketchy. And Mm -hmm. I was super homesick. I missed my mom. I missed my family. Um, I didn't understand what it was doing. I didn't understand um, the way that people spoke around me because I literally did not understand the Southern accent. And I just, the, one of the first things I did was to get um, a library card because that's just what I do. And mm-hmm. I just happened to chance upon Thornyhold, Hold. And the first time I read Thorney Hold, I just read it all the way through. And it just made me cry because it reminded me of my childhood. And remember, I was like super homesick. So I was like, oh, mm-hmm. my God, this is exactly like home. Because it's a very comforting book. And mm-hmm. I think that's the reason why I've reread it so many times over the years, because it's just one of those things where it's like, when your daily life gets to be too much and you're overwhelmed and you're multitasking and you're just exhausted, it's just nice to read about this book where this woman you know the the protagonist has no schedule, no job, she just sort of like potters around on this estate that was left to her by her. Cousin by her aunt, I mean, no one's left me in his date ever, and you know, goes on dates to Stonehenge with this handsome man. I mean, like, who wouldn't want that, you know? So it's like a comfort read. I'm
0: so I, I'm laughing because that's exactly what I loved about this. Yeah. just like wandering around the gardens, like looking for a bicycle or whatever, yeah. and I'm just like, no job. No, sounds great. I mean, like, just wandering around like trying out these herbs and there's there's no real commitments it's it's really like the best kind of fantasy especially when you're you know stuck at home and like weary it is it is as fantastical as like knights and dragons exactly a very pleasant kind of fantasy. She's just like,
1: oh, it's a Monday afternoon. Why don't I amble along to that blackberry hedge and make some jam? And I'm like, yeah, why don't you? While I'm drowning and work up to my eyeballs, why don't you go ahead and make that jam? <laughs> you know.
0: I know, oh my God, as someone who's tried to make jam, it's like actually really difficult to do, but this book really made one me, to, I really wanted to make jam. Right, yeah. Make, <laughs> make jam. But you're exactly right, like this book, It sounds like this book caught you, you know, in the right place at the right time. Yes. And then it's just been that source of comfort for you, you know, whenever you've needed it. And that's something so special.
1: It's like a best friend. It's like, oh, Thorny Hold will always be there, you know.
0: It's, it's a really be I can definitely see the setting there. And as someone who's moved around a fair bit, you mm-hmm. know, there is that alienation and I totally get you know getting your library card is like one of the first things you do. Yes. Uh, when I left Manhattan and moved to the Chicago suburbs, I was kind of by myself for a bit. My husband was still working in Manhattan and I was just kind of alone in a condo right. And other than work. I'm like, what do I do? And the first thing I did was try to gather enough paperwork to apply for a library, right. cover, <laughs> wait for that one bill to come in. I'm like, here's my address. I exactly. My so it's, it's a very universal experience and I totally relate. And I, I, I so I mentioned that the setting of this book is probably mm-hmm. the best thing about it. So the idyllic country life and uh mm-hmm. Gillis's lovely old house and the creatures mm-hmm. that are just kind of coming in and out. And it's it's enchanting. It's really it interesting. Is. And you almost like don't need a plot.
1: <laughs> right. You don't.
0: <laughs> and I also like we've talked about, I love the tone of this book. So it it's very gentle. Uh, The magical elements are really woven in quite nicely. It's Mm -hmm. sort of just worked into the narrative. It's really magical realism at at its height because, you know, it's not a big deal that there are witches. I mean, there's a bit of confusion, but the idea of witches and magic is just accepted by the town and by the community and Mm -hmm. something very nice about that. And then even the like tense parts of the story aren't really all that tense because we, right. know, it's kind- we know things are going to be okay. Yeah. Just retrospective storytelling. I really like that.
1: I think one of my favorite passages from it and one that I especially can really relate to is, um, and I have a post it where that page is, where it says, um, A dream vivid enough to tire me and to leave a hangover. But I was awake now and it was a brilliant day, a normal day. And Hodge was home and there was work to do. Work, the answer to every kind of nightmare. Mm. And I think that's so, so Mary Stewart. It's like, okay, you had a nightmare, bad things happened. But you know what? You can always go do laundry or you can always scrub the floor. There's like, um, you know, comfort in those very basic household tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's very sort of like down home and earthy. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And it, though I wish this book motivated me to
1: clean my house. Unfortunately, <laughs> that didn't. Oh, I didn't me. clean either. <laughs> I just like the thought of it. Like, I'm like, I understand this philosophy. I'm still not going to get off my ass, but I do appreciate it. <laughs> 100%. 100%. And I guess,
0: you know, if I had to point to criticisms, because mm-hmm. that's me, I'm a critical reader. Yes. Um, it mostly comes down to the characters themselves. And mm-hmm. so. The older Galus, I loved her. I was so enchanted by her. I was so disappointed that we only see very, very little of her. There's that opening scene and then we find out she's passed away. Mm -hmm. And she kind of, you know, is woven into the narrative as we go. But we get so little of her. And I just, I wanted to see more. And on the flip side, we have Gilly, who just, to me, lacked some substance. Yeah. You know, she's kind of there to absorb all the interesting things around her. Mm-hmm. And she herself doesn't seem to have a lot of meaningful thoughts and convictions. And yeah. I don't know. She she just kind of seemed like a stand-in, which, you know, you can insert yourself a bit into her. Right. Sort of plus, but. On the flip side, it's like, who are you really? I didn't really get a sense of that.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And in fact, I would say that Agnes, who is kind of the antagonist of the story, she probably has much more substance because as awful as she is and the things that she does, at least she has a purpose and you understand what's driving her. So even though she's an awful human being, you kind of she just seems much more well thought out than Jilly is. Whereas I think Julie's is more like, honestly, I just don't even think of Jilly. I just put myself in her shoes. <laughs> and I think that might be the point. You know, Jilly is kind of bland. I mean, yeah. she, you also
0: kind of get it though, because she's lived this very blank, nothing kind of life mm-hmm. until now. And she'll basically cling to any kind of happiness she gets. Is, yeah, She's been given so little. So you can kind of just self insert here. And you're right. Agnes is definitely a more compelling character. So she's mm-hmm. our antagonist. You know, they for a while they have kind of this frenemy dynamic. Yeah. Then, then things really take a turn. I, I I question the big you know the big plot reveal, which I'm not going to spoil here. But right. I I question you know where that was really coming from. To me, that kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. Right. I, I just feel like it, it like you, you could see some of the signs, but I just questioned Agnes's motivations. Do you know what I
1: mean? And I feel like Hold is actually a really short book to the point that I hesitate to even call it a novel. I feel like it's a novella. So I really yeah. feel like unlike so many books that we read where you're like, OK, this is a really good book, but surely they could have like edited it. down. I think this is one book where it could have been fleshed out more. Yeah. And I would have liked to read more, and it just feels a little fast and a little abrupt. So, yeah, there definitely could have been a lot more um, plot, a lot more character development. But, you know, I gotta say, with a lot of Mary Stewart's books, for example, with Stormy Petrel, it's less about the plot for me. And it's just, it's really how beautiful it is. It's um, almost like it's. A painting in words, yeah. you know, like if you love impressionist art, it's like seeing a painting, um, but that has just been put into the words of a page. But if you look at the plot, it's like, eh, okay. Yeah, that that's a really
0: good point because the the highlights of this book were you know the beautiful scenes of the garden and blackberry picking yeah. and making jam and pies and things like that. It's very much the aesthetic of the book rather yeah. than the plot of it. Which sometimes you just want an aesthetic. There's nothing wrong right. <laughs> with that. Um, but I will, I definitely agree. This book could have been longer, um, mm-hmm. you know, to flesh out you know that ending, big reveal, you know, give us a bit more foreshadowing for that. But also to dig in more into this central love story in the book. Yes. So mm-hmm. I was really puzzled by, so my jacket copy of this book, it describes this book as like, it's ultimately a love story. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of how it's phrased. And I'm thinking like, we barely had any time yeah, I- with this love story. <laughs> like it came out of nowhere. <gasps> yes. Like, I love the Drydens. Like I loved the little boy whose name is escaping me. Is it Michael? William, William. okay. I don't know where Michael came from, but William and Christopher, I, I loved mm-hmm. them as like a father and son sort of out. It reminds me of like a Hallmark movie. There's the, yes. the charging yes. single dad and the cute son. Totally. He's just waiting for someone new to come into his life. It was a really yeah. Hallmark. Um, uh-huh. But it's like, I could see what Jilly sees in Christopher, but I had no idea what Christopher saw in Jilly. And I was so- This
1: confused. is true.
0: <laughs> this is true. <laughs> It's just like, give us more time with these romantic leads, like show us a little bit more of their relationship. And then I'll believe it's like this never ending
1: love story. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I've actually never thought of Thornyhold as a love story. And I know that that's how it's bipped sometimes, but I never really saw it as a love story. I almost feel like that's just like something that happens. But to me, it's more about um, I love the choice that Mary Stewart made to name it Thorney Hole because she's named it after the house mm-hmm. and the house itself is such an important character in the book. You know, right. the house itself has such a strong personality. It's almost like if there's another book I really love, it's uh, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. And in Rebecca, Manderley, the mansion itself is so important. It's It's a character in and of itself. So to me, it's almost like an ode to a house and a place and a sense of belonging more than really a love story. You know, to me it's like Julie has never really had a family and her aunt, as small a figure as she was in her life, really meant a lot to her. And with the inheritance of Thornia Hole, she finally has a place where she can sort of come into her own and discover who she who she is as a person, you know? Yeah. So to me, almost if there's a love story, it's a love story between her and the house, not even exactly. her and Christopher. I was just going to say, like,
0: you know, maybe we're just misunderstanding that whole idea of a love story. And, you know, she might fall in love with Christopher, but really what she's falling in love with is a house and a way of life and like, yes. a sense of belonging, which she didn't mm-hmm. had she's seeking a healing to the trauma that she's faced and she's gone yes. through quite a bit of trauma i mean yes. i was so sad when she found out when when they just kind of let her dog go yeah i was mm-hmm. my heart was broken with that and then all the yeah. other things she's never been able to really own or have anything
1: exactly and this
0: is her being allowed to kind of build a life for herself and so I appreciated that a lot. And in that sense, it is, you're right, very much a love story.
1: Yeah, even the, you know, just the one throwaway line about how when she was at boarding school, she would come back from school and so many of the daily trivial things that you have would be would be gone because her mother would just get rid of them. Right. And um, I am very much a hoarder, a mm-hmm. tendency that my husband absolutely hates. He calls me a pack rat. So <laughs> I'm that person that I have birthday cards from like, 30 years ago. And I refuse, I have like a friendship band that my best friend gave me when I was 11. So I'm this very like, you will, you will take these things out of my you will pry them out of my cold hands after I'm dead, but I will not throw these things away. So the pack rat in me is always appalled when I read about, you know, all her little stuff that was just like thrown away without a second thought. So what a luxury to be able to own this house with its Furniture and its books and its secrets and its gardens, you know? You're right. And I'll say, you know, you would probably
0: get along quite well with my husband, who is also a pack rat. And I'm not a minimalist. I keep lots of things, but my husband is like, no, you can't throw away that grocery list. It's the first grocery exactly. list we had when we moved to this new city. And I'm like, Ryan, it's a grocery list. Like, <laughs> these are our frequent discussions. But you're right. You know, she gets to claim all these beautiful things. And I wanted to live in this house so bad. Mm-hmm. I wanted to yeah. live with the books and the potions and all the lovely spells and the lovely cat. I mean, this just seemed like a perfect way to live that you didn't even, she would have been perfectly happy there without Christopher or without yeah. anyone else. And this I appreciated true.
1: that. Like her own aunt was. I mean, her, her aunt didn't need no man, and she probably doesn't need no man either. But we've been told that Christopher is very easy in the eyes, so okay.
0: <laughs> he's easy on the eyes. He keeps to himself. He's a writer. You know, he's not yes. going to ask for very much. You know, perfect no. <laughs> Perfect set.
1: <laughs> I also love the, the title of the, of the house. I mean, Thorny Hold, because the thorns make me think of like... And it's just very evocative and the hold is like, you know, being held fast. It's mm. just, it's a very, it's a very romantic name. Yeah. You're being
0: held in by all these thorns. Exactly.
1: Just like, held against the storm.
0: Yeah. And you don't want to leave. Like who would? Yeah. And I I guess, you know, thinking about this book, you know, I I really loved it. Like as a critical reader, I was like, okay, the plot kind of (laughs) falls apart here. Or like, these characters aren't the most fleshed out. But like, it's just a pure escape and a pure comfort read. I totally recommend this. I think it can really soothe a lot, especially, you know, when we're trapped in one place with the pandemic and things, if you Mm -hmm. can't get out to the The gardens in the countryside like let the book like this be your escape I think it's wonderful
1: exactly I think it's like you know if someone watches um movies it's it's kind of like you know there's some movies like I can watch sleepless in Seattle like 20,000 30,000 times probably (laughs) because it's it's not it's not like the greatest movie of all time and it's not like something that just like broke so many like records and barriers and it's not the most intellectual movie out there but sometimes you just need that right like if you have your period you just want a big bowl of ice cream and you want to watch it and i think thorny hold is kind of like the book version of it
0: that's a great that's a great thing i am gonna have to get a copy and it's like when i'm on my period next i'm gonna crack open thorny hold and i'm like i am in a happy place (laughs) um but you're, you're exactly right. And I'm so glad you introduced me to this book because I was very skeptical. You know, I had to kind of request this from the library and I right. had to loan it from like three other libraries. It's like, oh, who's wow. even heard of it? it was like nowhere. I was like, who's even heard of this book? But <laughs> I'm so glad that I picked it up and I'm so glad you introduced it to me, Pitu, And oh. I this is the part where I usually, you know, ask my guest. you know, do you have any other recommendations for books you really love or similar books? And you mentioned Rebecca by Daphne yes, du Maurier, which I is a really that. interesting comparison. It's so different in tone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like very different. So dark.
1: So but delicious. Dark,
0: but the setting is similarly, you know, it kind of captures you that way. Yes.
1: It's, and it's a similar protagonist, isn't it? It's like this lonely young woman And she's married. And there is an antagonist in Rebecca as well, who is the other woman. And then Mm -hmm. there is the shadows of the dead Mrs. um, And the house itself. Uh, I mean, it's obviously a much darker book than Thornyhold is. Mm -hmm. um, But it it has some of the same elements, I think, that I like. Um, It's also a little bit reminiscent of The Secret Garden, which is another book I love. Yeah. Um, So I, I feel like... Uh those are all books that appeal and then um I really like Outlander the series mm. by Diana Gabaldon. I think I just really like plucky heroines who are just sort of struggling to make their way and but then I also once want, want like the creature comforts of home.
0: Right, right. Now, I have to ask you about Outlander. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that book is like 4,000 pages. Yes. Have
1: you read the whole series? I have not. Um, I read the first two books and then I got, uh, I started watching the the TV series that is based, the, the Outlander series on stars. And mm-hmm. the actors in it are extremely easy on the eye. And I was like, oh, this is wonderful. This is just <laughs> such a wonderful way to relax after work. <laughs>
0: That's what I hear. You know, I'm always tempted to pick up something like Outlander, but my problem with series books is like I start the series, I need to finish the series, but this one's like yeah. four million books, and I'm like, I can't. But I, I definitely agree with The Secret Garden as a recommendation. That's what mm-hmm. I was thinking of. The book that actually came to mind for Mm -hmm. me, I was trying to find something with a similar, you know, whimsical tone Uh and something that felt like a warm hug of a book. Yeah, and I keep coming back to *The House in the Cerulean Sea* by T.J. Klune. Have you read that one?
1: I have not.
0: Okay, so it's a pretty new book. It was actually my my favorite book of 2020. I absolutely adored it. I mean, to say to all my listeners now, there have been some recent criticisms of it, which have been very valid. I encourage you to look into those as well, but if you're looking for a book that just gives you sort of a warm hearted feeling and sort of introduces magic in a whimsical way, like this book does have darker themes in it as well. But I do think that that book answers a lot of that and could be a good companion read to Thorny Hole.
1: Got it. You know, when you started talking about that book, um, for some reason, my brain leaped to Anna Green Gables. Yes,
0: absolutely. That's another great. That's setting. I we yeah. did in Green Gables a few months ago for the podcast, and so it was amazing. New. It was new to me, and I was like, "Oh wow! Like this is actually like really fun." And Anne Anne has so much personality. Like, yes, he really seemed like a piece of cardboard. Like yeah. Anne has so much personality. She's a firecracker. I love her. And yes, I think these are all, you know, fabulous recommendations. And I urge you all, you know, if you've never heard of this book and you're thinking, oh, it's a musty old classic I've never seen. No, I totally recommend that you pick this up if you're in the mood for just something warm and cottagecore and comforting. You know, feel free to make your plot and character based criticisms. They're there. But I think this book, you know, could answer a lot of your ills if you're just in the mood for something fun. I read it in a day. Like Pithu mentioned, it's very, very short. I highly recommend this one yay and Pitu before we close out today could you tell us a little bit about you know where we can find you and some of the stuff that you do
1: yeah um I can be found on Instagram at Pitu Sultan um and then I also have sort of like a defunct vlog that I haven't really been updating um I'm actually working on a novel um yeah it's uh it's set in the video gaming world because I was like a huge video gaming addict for almost 10 years um and i am hoping to be done with my draft in about hopefully like two or three weeks now so i've been kind of slaving away at it um but yeah i do that and then on a bunch of podcasts yeah
0: Oh my gosh! I'm so as someone who's also kind of off and on working on a novel, I'm always yeah. happy to hear that that debut project coming. And the fact that you mentioned it's featured in video gaming, you have even more reason to be friends with my husband now. Like, oh! introduce you too. You guys will get along great. But <laughs> <laughs> but Pitu, thank you so much for your time. This has been an absolute delight, and I hope you have a great rest of your
1: day. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. I mean, it's uh, usually I'll just talk my husband's ear off about some book that I love. And he just kind of like half heartedly listens to me. So just the fact that you were listen- willing to have me drone on about it was quite a treat. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Absolutely. <laughs>